happen if you turn to her and say, Darling, something's out there. Would you go? Oh, you are all laughing at this because, you know. It's I mean, happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And and that guy might be just as terrified to go out there, you know, dragging the baseball bat from under the bed as, as his wife might be. That clip may have sounded rather familiar to you. But what our guests today are talking about is the defining moment in a boy's life when he becomes a man. And we'll hear more on that with Graham Schnell on the next Focus on the Family. I'm Alison Schnell. Alison, when we look at the rates of fatherlessness in South Africa, it's deeply concerning. We know that mm-hmm. in boys and, and girls, but we're focusing mostly on boys today, when they don't get the input of a father in their lives, the rates of all kinds of negative things increase, from suicide mm-hmm. to prison, substance yeah. abuse, even divorce and relationship issues. Mm-hmm. But it's also been shown, we've looked at the research on this, uh, the effects of emotionally unavailable fathers, almost identical to those where father was physically absent. There's something that a father imparts or doesn't impart that has a dramatic influence on the life of a young boy. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely right, Graham. And here to talk more about that are two gentlemen. Daryl Schreiber is the founder and director of Heartland South Africa. Heartland hosts faith-based, Christ-centered events focused on the restoration of the masculine heart to the community, reaching out to the boys, fathers, and sons of our communities. Daryl's desire is to see people raised up and living to their full potential, be it on a personal level or in the workplace. And then Rick Bunchu is the teaching pastor, or as his Facebook profile says, troublemaker at the Kauai Christian Fellowship in Hawaii. He's the co-author of the book Soul Surfer, the Bethany Hamilton story of the teenage surfer who lost her arm in a shark attack in 2003. He's also the author of the book and the founder of the movement, The Pass Through Fire Experience, a rite of passage event for guiding boys into godly manhood. Welcome to Focus on the Family, Daryl and Rick. Thank you. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. And Rick, I want to start with you and jump into the main subject that we want to address today, and that's the need for fathers to invest something in the life of their their young boys. Um, You founded this Pass Through Fire experience. Uh, Tell us how that was birthed, how that began. Pass Through Fire came from two different streams. Um, One was personal and one was uh, my work as a youth pastor for decades. I was a youth pastor. It's been my my career arc um, before I I was founding pastor of Quiet Christian Fellowship, which is still a youth heavy church. But I I found I was working with a lot of kids, um, particularly I worked with kids that didn't come from Christian backgrounds. And uh, I found that so many of them were man-hungry. I, I sensed it. I understood it because my father um, disappeared on, on me before I hit my, my stride in teenage years. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew what that felt like, and I sensed it coming from these kids. I couldn't get rid of them. The, the boys would hang around with my boys, and they didn't want to go home to a, a home where, where there's just a mom. They liked being where there was a dad, a man doing stuff with them. Yeah. Okay. And it began to occur to me that that somebody needs to step into the gap for boys who either had fathers who weren't involved or didn't have fathers at all, and even helping to encourage the fathers that they did have. Because 
many, many cultures have some line in the sand that yeah. a boy passes from knowing he's a child into manhood. And our culture doesn't have that. So yeah. kids are out flailing around, yeah. experimenting with all kinds of different things to prove their masculinity. Some mm-hmm. things are dangerous mm-hmm. to themselves. Some things are stupid. Some things actually hurt other people, particularly women. Yeah. You know, um, if they think that, you know, bedding a lots of women, for example, is how I demonstrate my manhood. You leave behind this trail of misery as you go. Yeah. And it occurred to me that who better to define masculinity than the church, especially a church that's paying attention to the scripture, mm-hmm. yeah. and who better to lead boys into real masculinity than the men of the church. Yeah. Because, because becoming a man, it takes a company of men to take a boy into manhood. Women can't take boys into manhood. They can acknowledge what has taken place, but they can't be the ones that affirm that you've made it across that line. So I sort of devised an idea of uh, a rite of passage that would be put on for both men in the church who had boys and for um, boys who didn't have a man where men in the church would stand in that gap and be a father to the fatherless. Okay. Yeah. And so it invented this kind of thing and mm-hmm. it mutated from there. Why, why do you think that rite of passage is so important? Uh, we know it obviously is a, a transition you know, from, from childhood through to, to manhood, but there is something about a, an event. Uh, what is it about a, that event, that sort of, as you said, a line in the sand where they can say, this, this was that moment? For females, there there is an event. Yeah, you know, it's that time when your your daughter comes screaming out of the bathroom. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and mom grabs her, pulls her pulls her aside, says, "Listen, yeah. don't panic. We told you this was going to happen. Yeah. Now you and this is what is you've now become a woman." Yeah. yeah, boys don't have anything like that. There's there's there is no definitive line. I mean, when you ask boys. How do you know when you're a man? You get a thousand different answers. Mm-hmm. I get a job, I get a car, I get a license, I, mm-hmm. you know, I do this, I achieve that, I, I, I go out and ride big waves, and that proves I prove my my masculinity by doing that. Yeah. So you, you know, or they confuse it with biological. Yeah. I, I can shave if I can graduate. Yeah. I mean, all kinds of things, yeah. and because of that, boys are left adrift, and so they're desiring. The affirmation of a tribe of men, if I can put it that way, they will say, look, in our eyes, you are now one of us. Okay. And boys are looking for men to say, you are one of us. That's that's the draw in gangs. You yeah. go into, you, yeah. In the United States, 72% of the boys are born to out of wedlock, to homes where there's either not a father or soon will not be a father father figure in the home yeah. and this is within the gangs you talk well, about this no this is in the black community 72 percent in the black community, in the black community. Mm-hmm. and it's 42 percent in in the white community mexican mexican american community but and so those those kids are adrift as well but when you have that that huge of population gangs are a big problem in in those kind of situations yeah. and what the gangs offer is a rite of passage. Yeah. You have initiation. You can't be in the gangs unless you get beat up or go beat up somebody or you know yeah. Yeah. do something daring and wrong that mm. that allows those boys to feel like these these older guys, these men in their eyes, mm. have have affirmed them and said, "You're one of us." Yeah. And and when it's done right, um, 
in terms of the way that you, you're speaking about where men in the church and fathers, either fathers or, or those that are standing in the gap as fathers, um, do you think there's something spiritual that happens as well in the life of that young boy uh, when he's affirmed in that way um, by a man in the church? I think the spiritual part, is it's not magical. Yeah. It's not like this was a vacuum and now it's filled in. But what, what I think is... What I think happens when you offer the standards that genuine manhood, is de- as it's defined within Christianity, it's defined in the pages of the Bible, yeah. that that sparks something in a boy. They recognize it. It feels, it feels real. Mm. They see how it plays out. Mm. It's, it's not intangible. And it's not easy. Mm. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it, the things we define in pastor fire as as attributes hmm. that a boy needs to stand up for they're not easy to do it means way easier to go take off in a 20-foot wave <laughs> than it is to stand up to your mates who are all pulling the other direction you go you know i'm not going to do that because it's wrong and to have the courage to be the only guy hmm. that yeah. says i'm not doing it yeah. you know yeah. that, that takes real courage and boys inherently know that and so it it ignites something that god has put in him that goes when it begins to burn, God affirms it and goes, yeah, this is the right way to think. This is the right way to go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of what happens in a spiritual context because of yeah. those things. Yeah. I think we're going to get to some of those attributes because uh, that's important. But, Daryl, I just want to bring you into the conversation in terms of here in South Africa, um, how you were first exposed uh, to pass through fire and and what's been happening? Uh, how, how have you taken this initiative um, and and rolled it out, as it were, in, in our context? Well, it, it started quite a while ago, actually shortly after my own salvation, which uh, left me realizing that I was living a life which was less than popular with the, the figure of what a man was. And so in searching for this within my own youth group, because shortly afterwards I began to serve as a youth pastor, seeing boys adrift, just not quite knowing where they, were, where they are, what they're about, and trying to measure themselves up against each other, but realizing there was nothing authentic in that. Mm. So I did the search. What does that look like? Um, traditional churches standing up, seeing a man in robes, it, it, it kind of went against the grain a little bit for me yeah. because of my struggles. Mm. Um, so basically, you know, Mr. Google came into play. Yeah. We did search, found various stuff, discovered rites of passage, and uh, I guess for once Google worked well, uh, <laughs> came upon um, the pastry fire experience. Really got to the heart of it. I was a surfer at the time in quite a big way, and it just resonated uh, with Rick's stories. And then I began to really bother and irritate him until he would share the information with us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we started in, in uh, 2006 with our first failed attempt, um, as you know, nothing goes perfect in the first time around. But really getting going, finding a few families, a few fathers who saw the need in their sons' lives mm-hmm. and were willing to take a risk on a new program, well, for South Africans being a new program. And um, we ran Pastor Your Fire very successfully uh, in, in terms of, I believe, there was irreversible change that was happening in the lives of the boys, but more importantly, in the lives of the dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it takes a village to raise a boy. Mm-hmm. It's not something we as fathers can do on our own. Um, and we see it even more so when you have single parents, uh, moms who, who don't have husbands and boys who don't have fathers. 
And so every year we've just really had a sense of God telling us to work with what we have. Hmm. Um, taking the pasture fire, uh, changing it a little bit to how it's run uh, in Kauai in, in, in America, yeah. bringing the South African flavor to it. Yeah. And um, and what does that look like? Give us a, what what is the path through fire experience? We know what it's about, and we know <laughs> the concept of it. But uh, what does it look like, kind of from start to end? The, the whole the whole concept of it actually runs over a long weekend. Okay. Uh, generally, we run it from a Thursday evening through to a Sunday. Um, boys literally hit the ground running. Um, I need to say it's not a boot camp. Um, yeah. A lot of parents are a bit worried. Moms are a bit worried that. Um, their, their sons are going to be pulled through the ringer in the bush. And and if the boy comes there feeling that way, a little bit of fear and trepidation, it, it, it plays well into what we're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it's not a boot camp, but it is a challenging experience for a young man. Um, manhood doesn't come easy. It's bestowed, not earned. Mm. And I think that's the process the weekend as they learn that as much as you can try and earn it, it essentially is bestowed upon you, and then it's up to you. It's about your behavior. It's about your standing. I would add that what we do in pasture fire, both in South Africa and in the U.S., um, it's very intentional. Mm. It's it what we are what we may, may not seem so on the outside, but the kids there's a point to what we're doing yeah. that the mm. kids are, begin to get as we unveil what's taking place. Yeah. yeah. So there's a physical component to yes. ch- some challenge, physical challenge. That yeah. Look, a lot of that physical stuff is learning that you can provide for yourself. It's learning that you've got what it takes. Yeah. And I think that's the basis of the weekend is that every boy has a question. Do I have what it takes? Yeah. Am I strong enough? Am I powerful? Yeah. So the, the, the whole process is set up that dad can answer that into the boys' lives. But more importantly, the company of men okay. can answer it. And so the bestowing happens. Yes. And I, I don't want to give too much away about what happens in the sure. weekend because that's another aspect of it is neither father nor son knows exactly what is happening next. Yeah. And that is life. Yeah. If we knew what was going to happen next, well, bring it on. Yeah. Um, and part of the courage of being a man is being ready for the unknown. The unknown. Yeah. And then obviously you bringing in, there's, there's a challenge, there's a, a bestowing from this community of men, which I really like. It's not just about the father. It's about this group of men that are in some way accepting these this group of young men into manhood um but there's also some teaching or there's these attributes do you want to just touch you can both speak into um, those attributes that you're wanting to impart is that somewhat defining what manhood really is yes but it's not an exhaustive list Um, we have a limited amount of time to yeah to really point out what the real attributes of a man are. So what yeah. we've we've done is we've we've just selected uh, six. In fact, both of us have the same list, ironically, but we're not necessarily married to those. Yeah. But it's important that you define ones that make sense to a boy at that age. So yeah. we usually start with courage. Yeah. You know, and and that not just in the movie version of courage charging into the machine guns, <laughs> but in the idea that that. Uh, Every boy needs to be a man of courage. And, it, you know, we explain to them, look, someday you're going to marry a woman and something's going to go bump in the night. And what would happen if you turned to her and say, darling, something's <laughs> out there. Would you go? Oh, you are all laughing at this because, you know. It's I mean, happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. And, and that guy might be just as terrified to go out there, you know, dragging the baseball bat from under the bed as as his wife might be, but he's going to know 
that he it's his job to suck it up and yeah. go out there and do that. And if he mm-hmm. doesn't, that story could get around and every guy will look at him with disdain from that and every woman as well, you know. And and boys understand that inherently. You don't even have to explain that to them. They they get that that's their coming role. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about courage both in that element but also in those really hidden things um, where it takes courage to do the right thing in face of a, a culture that's going the other direction and what it costs to be a man of courage. Mm-hmm. So we take courage. That's one attribute. Daryl, you can mm-hmm. kick some other ones in. Uh, righteousness. Um, yeah. It's the core of the, of the masculine heart in terms of Christianity, yeah. being right before man and God. But not only that, it's understanding the salvation message and what it means to yeah. you as a man. Yeah. Uh, integrity. Um, that consistency throughout. Uh, as Christian men, often we, we're up and down a little bit, and, and the key there is to remain with your integrity intact in yeah. all situations. And, you know, we're, we're not all perfect. It's also understanding that at times you are going to slip, you are going to fall. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to get in, in maintaining and or getting back your integrity? Yeah, um, we, are, we also lean real hard on, on uh, caring for the weaker people that we, we think kids at that age tend to be like piranha they're predators yeah. and they find the weakest kid and they make fun of them the guy with mm-hmm. the big ears that you know and and it's really easy because they're easy to attack somebody who's weak you can yeah. stand on their corpse and see yeah. yourself as a little higher or just get humor out of it yeah. and what we try to point out is that you know God's put you in a protector role mm-hmm. and someday you're going to protect your wife and your family you may protect them by being in an income and providing a place to live that's part of the protection thing yeah. but there's people out there that you know by by whatever circumstances they found themselves in whether it's self-afflicted or how they were born they they're never going to have the opportunities or the abilities that other people do mm-hmm. and it's our job to step in and protect those people from the predators that would want to take advantage of them and so you know we weigh heavy in those kinds of things because it makes sense in the world that they live in right now yeah and is it uh, you know you talk about righteousness um, and understanding from a christian perspective is this an overtly christian program from the outset or do you have fathers and sons coming that maybe aren't um, in church and, and and this is still something that that works for them in the South African context, uh, it's not overtly Christian. Okay. Uh, one thing that we are unashamedly so is we are Christ-centered. Yeah. So uh, that that is just not negotiable. You know, yeah. the word has been unchanged for thousands of years, and we don't yeah. intend to change it. Yeah. And I think manhood is, is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And we need to work from a central point. But with that said, us as a team, what the work we do, it is Christ-centered. Yeah. The event is not evangelistic by nature. Um, on some events, we have 60 to 80% of the families who are involved who are not Christian at all really? um, and, and don't really care for it. But what they're off to something mm. which is modeled in God's heart. Mm. So it, there, there's that aspect to it. Yeah. And, and we're unashamed to talk about the standards. Where we're getting these standards yeah. comes from God's word. Yeah. And we've had people, men come to Christ yeah. and mm-hmm. pass through fire events yeah. as yeah. they're going, whoa, wait a minute, this... I'm beginning to see something I never saw before, and and they step into that, too. There's also an interesting click-over effect at the very, very end. When you've now bestowed the feather of manhood, to use American Indian term, (laughs) the feather of manhood on this child, who now in the eyes of the father, he, he 
looks at that that boy not as a child to correct, but as a man to encourage. Yeah. And so he approaches mm-hmm. that, that boy and says, now we all know that when you wash the car, you're going to do the best job you can because because that's what men would do. Mm-hmm. And so the, the relationship actually shifts mm-hmm. from a parent trying to just control a, a child that's pretty much in the realm of the mom, you know, to nurture and stuff, to a man who, who is able to communicate almost unspokenly mm-hmm. that we, hey, we both know what's expected here. We both know what you have said you want to become and mm-hmm. what has been affirmed upon you, bestowed upon you. Act like it. Yeah. And that's a tremendous uh, sure. relationship shift. Yeah. Talk about single single moms and their boys um, because we know in South Africa, you mentioned the U.S. statistics, uh, 62% of kids in South Africa born out of wedlock. V- you know, very small percentage, 36% of kids growing up with two parents in the home. So most of our kids are living with single moms. Um, how do we encourage those single moms um, with an experience like this but something that they can't necessarily take part in themselves? Well, I think at the end of the day, um, a boy still needs a man to affirm him to manhood. Yeah. That That is going to be unchanging. How does it work out for a mom? Or even more so, how does it work out for a child who's an orphan and doesn't have parents? Yeah. So really, in understanding that it was all about a community, yeah. we like to work with the community around that family yeah. in a, either trying to bring up a mentor who work with them, find someone in the church, sure. an uncle, a family relative. And um, it, it's a hard one because often we've said, we've had people approach and say, well, will you do one for single parent uh, children or will you do a, an event for orphans? Our answer straight away is no. Because if we do that, what we're actually saying is, you know, the situation you're in is okay. Mm. We're almost buying into the, the fact that they're unparented. What we'd rather do is allow these boys to attend the event amongst normal families. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of a, a young boy who's an orphan, he's going to look at it and he's going to feel the pain of loss of not having a father there. And in the case of a boy whose dad is not around. Mm. And he's less inclined to repeat that when he has children. Mm. So there's an understanding that takes place in that. But they are not left alone because they walk away with a community of men around them who continue mm. to affirm them, to encourage them, yeah. to build into their lives. Mm. Um, and it goes on. We, we have um, small men's groups that are meeting eight, nine years later, mm. and that was formulated by a bunch of guys that got together to do pasture fire with their boys. Mm. Mm. So community is so important. Um, we cannot do this without community as an event or, or raising our sons irrespective. Um, but yes, orphans and and single parent uh, boys are not left behind. And I would say that that of any child, they need it most, because that's that's mm-hmm. where the the vacuum is felt the most distinctly is yeah. is those boys who don't have a father, desperate for a father, looking anywhere for males that'll affirm them. Yeah. And if and this is where the church needs to come in. Kind of my hobby horse here is flogging the church, the men at the church to get off their butts. Can I say that on air? <laughs> get, up, get off their butts and, and step in to where, what God's really called them to do and be a father to the fatherless where, where, the, where we live in a culture so that we don't replicate that. Because mm-hmm. if, if, the, if we don't do something as the church, particularly the men of the church, if we don't do something, who's going to do it? 
You know, is our government going to become the father to these children? Is is the gang? Are the gangs? Or I mean, mm-hmm. who who do we really want to create the kind of men that are going to marry our daughters? Yeah. And if the men of the church don't step in, especially in these gaps, mm-hmm. who will do it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's right. So, if I had a whip, I'd be out there flogging every <laughs> single one of these guys. <laughs> Well, I think that's a, a really good place to land. That's that encouragement of the church to to rise up and take its rightful place, um, and where there are those gaps, to stand in the gap. Yeah. And our encouragement is to fathers and even mothers, maybe single mothers out there, hear those words. It's about community, uh, but for those fathers who who maybe haven't considered something like this. Uh, this is a this is a life-changing moment in the life of the child and the life of the the father. Well, I've heard some incredible stories of boys' lives being changed by the Pass Through Fire weekend, and it's testimony to the amazing work that our guests are doing in our country. Rick's book is called Pass Through Fire, and in it he offers practical ideas for making the church a place where boys want to be and for establishing a Christian rite of passage to guide them into godly manhood. You can get your copy when you call us on 031-716-3300 or when you visit our website at safamily.co.za. I hope you enjoyed today's program. We're airing some of our favorite local programs in the month of October as we celebrate 30 years of ministry in Africa this year. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.